Yeah, and a lot of these decisions are kind of uh, being made as we progress, as we get closer to the start of the semester, because there are just so many unknowns, and then restrictions are lifted and others are put in place, and we're really just trying to respond um, here on campus. Welcome to Focus, a podcast dedicated to the business of higher education. I'm your host, Heather Richmond, and we will be exploring the challenges and opportunities facing today's higher learning institutions. Today, I chat with Jennifer McNeil, one card manager at the University of Alberta in Canada. We'll explore how students and staff in Alberta are working towards a contactless campus and how one card is helping to accomplish this goal. Well, thanks for joining me today, Jennifer, as I know that you have been super busy right now. Yes, indeed, things on campus are extremely busy and uh, changing every moment. Uh, so thank you. You're welcome. Well, and you know, I can see why you've been so busy because you're basically creating this new contactless campus that's become the major theme. And at the heart of all that really are the card offices, right? So can you give us an update of what's happening at the University of Alberta? Yes, absolutely. Really everything that we're doing right now has been in response to COVID and I see that continuing for the foreseeable future. Um, and with OneCard being the key to connecting students to services on campus, we really needed to look at how we're delivering services, how we can move things remotely, and how we can deliver them in a contactless manner now that that's, that's required. And with your, your card affecting so many things on campus, um, it, it's, it's quite a task. Uh, there's access control. That was probably something uh, right out of the gates that we needed to deal with. Uh, with buildings being locked, we needed to ensure that staff had access to their offices and their space and research facilities. Um, solutions for dining, changing the way that we're delivering our food services on campus. Um, even things like printing, so looking that labs were closed. So do students have uh, the proper, uh, on, their, on their own devices, are they able to print from their mobile phones and from their laptops? Right. We needed solid solutions for that too. Uh, laundry rooms, making sure that we have ways that students can check machine activity so they're not congregating there. Uh, and of course, just an, an introduction of a little thing called um, mobile or virtual ID for our remote learners. Sure. So from a campus perspective, we're just dealing with all sorts of change and uh, looking at the data and the information that we're collecting from all of these uh, services that we provide and how we can use that to make better decisions on campus. So a lot happening all at the same time, all urgent, all priorities, uh, very busy. Oh, yeah. Well, and if you didn't have a checklist before, an inventory of all the places on campus where students were, you sure do now, right? <laughs> uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Well, I know that last time we chatted, uh, Alberta was going to go really be 100% remote delivery for classes this fall. Is that still the case? Uh, yeah, I would say so. I would say we're almost exclusively online this fall. Um, we are following the public health orders from our province, and just given the size of our campus, we are 50 square blocks. We, um, we just couldn't manage those restrictions safely with our community physically on present, or present on campus. Not an easy decision. Um, I'm glad I didn't have to make it, but certainly the institution does have a high value on, on safety for our, our students and our staff. There are some courses that will still be offered on campus where that in-person instruction is really essential to the program. 
uh, think about medicine, dentistry, fine arts, um, hands-on learning, like physical therapy, things like that. So we have about 12% of those students that will be coming back and learning in designated classrooms and spaces on, on campus. But it certainly looks different. I bet. So so obviously that means that not the, you know, the whole campus isn't closed for fall. It sounds like you do still have some areas that are still open. Right. So I would say officially the campus is open. Uh, we have about 500 buildings uh, with, at the University of Alberta. And I believe there are two that are open right now and the, re- the rest of them remain closed. Um, some of them will reopen as those announcements are made for where those classes are going to be held. And those are intentional decisions that they are making and wanting to ensure that where those classes are held, that students have access to some library resources and printing and dining. So uh, those decisions, we're still waiting to hear um, what buildings will be open. And that, of course, as some of those students return, some staff will be coming to work as well. Um, and those staff are actually required to go to go through an e-learning course uh, to make sure that when they return to campus, they are being safe here too. Um, but on campus, really, it's been sort of a phased approach. We initially, everything closed, but now we see the libraries have been reopened uh, for curbside pickup. They've got a fantastic program where you can reserve information online, resources online, and then pick up your resources or your materials with your mobile credential. Uh, Physical education facilities are reopened as well with physical distancing measures in place. Uh, they've adjusted capacities, smaller classes. You can even book swim lanes. Oh, wow. Um, our, yeah, and our health centers reopened. Bookstore, um, shipping books uh, right to your door as well. But it is it is open, but you can't, uh, you can't come in and browse. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like you have a lot really going on on campus. And, and I really like that e-learning because I I think, again, everything's changing so rapidly that we're all trying to figure out, you know, what are we supposed to do and what's the best practice and what do we do in this building? It even sounds like for your campus, probably each building is even a little bit different. So that was really smart. Yeah, and a lot of these decisions are kind of uh, being made as we progress, as we get closer to the start of the semester, because there are just so many unknowns and then restrictions are lifted and others are put in place and you were really just trying to respond um, here on campus. Yeah, that's great. Well, speaking of the semester opening, um, did you see any changes in enrollment for the small fall semester? Surprisingly, no. There was hardly any so far that we've seen, although oh, wow. we do expect there to be some adjustments as maybe international students are unable to kind of secure those study permits or have international travel. Uh, but the way it looks right now, uh, we're probably looking at about 38000 for for the fall. 12% of those on campus learning and the, re- the rest of them in a remote learning setting. Um, our residents as well uh, are open, and we're planning for about 1,600. We would normally accommodate over 5,000, so uh, quite a bit less, but it is great that students still have that opportunity to live on campus and get settled and have access to services. Maybe your parents don't have good enough internet <laughs> that you want to get out and get settled um, in your community right now. Yeah. That sounds great. So are you making adjustments? So since the number is so different, are you kind of spacing out those residence hall or are you doing something different there? 
Yeah, so they are looking at cohorting uh, different groups of resident students based on faculty or specific needs. Um, those cohorts will be much smaller. Uh, students on floors will be spaced out more as well. Um, also for international students too, right now, any students that are coming from outside of the country are required by law to isolate for 14 days. So resident services has responded with an amazing uh, isolation accommodation program that provides transportation, accommodation, laundry, food, uh, medical support, um, access to virtual programs for that two weeks until they can transfer into their, their permanent uh, residence facilities on campus or their residence somewhere out in, in the community. Oh, that's wonderful. And it probably just gives that extra ease of mind for those international students when, again, so many things are up in the air. What can I do? And can I go home? And if I stay here, can I ever go home or can I ever come back? Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, it's just the nature of the time right now. Nobody really knows what's what's coming next. And we're just kind of living uh, moment to moment. <laughs> absolutely. Well, I know that mobile has certainly you know been a stable for a long time, but it seems like there's definitely a lot of movement now more than ever, really trying to stay connected in this no contactless world. So do you find this is true and how are you using mobile today? Yeah, and connected is a, it's a great word, not just for accessing services on campus or off campus, but even for student success and, and mental health. So our kind of initial question was, how do we make our students feel part of the university community when they may never even set foot on campus? And our ID was a great place to start. So we will we'll be introducing a new mobile credential here, here on campus, which is a great deliverable um, in a short period of time. Uh, I would say uh, it's because that TouchNet has their own mobile app right now. Uh, we would not be able to develop something like that ourselves within this short period of time. So we can use the app, we can brand it as the University of Alberta and roll out, roll out our mobile credential in a, in a short period of time that will help those students that are studying remotely uh, identify with the campus, get access to student discounts and uh, be able to prove, show that identification when they're writing exams remotely. Yeah, I love that. I, I love the staying connected and feeling that sense of brand and really the affinity to the university, even if you're not physically there on campus. That, that's really huge. And I know that you shared with us a, a cool video you put together and even have a nice landing page to explain all about it. Yeah, absolutely. So we can direct students all to that page that tells them why they need a virtual card, the benefits, how to get it, and even the instructions on how to add it, how to download the app and what you need to do. Um, it's important for us with a large campus that uh, those instructions be clear uh, and that we're not getting 40,000 phone calls as well. So that that was it's really great. And I think it'll be a good tool for students and has amazingly peppy music too, which is good. That is great. And then I know you guys also, are you doing the virtual cards for your staff as well as students? Yeah, not at this point. Uh, at this point, because of the time uh, and the quick turnaround, it's just our, our student audience right now. But that was another benefit of, of, of presenting the virtual ID to the, stu to the students is that it just got a lot of attention on campus. And so the questions from the right people on campus 
we're a large campus, so catching the attention of uh, our leads in IT and dean of students and the heads from student services that say, hey, wait, this is this is a fantastic thing that you're offering here, this, this mobile credential, what can we use it for? How can we use it for staff? How can we use it for students at remote campuses and, and things like that, and in our alumni community too. So that's been a huge benefit just to get that sort of visibility. Yeah, I think that's great because, again, I think now we're looking campus-wide of how to stay connected uh, in this contactless campus, right, world. So I think that's great for all the constituents across campus. It's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And a lot of our in-person experiences have just, they've been replaced. Uh, We're not face-to-face anymore. And really, these instances have been on the decline for years, right? And and as mobile comes in, uh, students are applying online, registering, paying fees, buying books. Um, All those experiences are are happening happening online. And and we need to be able to uh, be part of that with our, our mobile credential as well. Yeah, that's great. So speaking of mobile, you know, I know something that we hear a lot of times uh, is that students, you know, and schools really don't want to have to have multiple apps. So do you have a university app and, and does the one card virtual ID fit into that? Uh, yes, we do. There was a rewrite of our university app about two years ago, and it is really great. And it, I do believe it is essential just to have that one great app, that one place where you're holding all that information and then everything will, will branch out from there. Um, so it does, the university app does have, uh, have a lot of information in it. Uh, the challenge is getting students to use it um, and make sure that they know it's available and the value that it, that it has. With our virtual ID, it is going to sit right within that app. So we're hoping that uh, directing students there for their identification, um, for access to their mobile app and the the virtual credential, that it will drive adoption. Um, it's it's a remote world. We want to keep students connected, and that app is is key in that, where it has that information about different departments. It has chats, information channels, buy and sells, all of that. So um, it's it's an important tool on campus. Yeah, that sounds really cool. And I think that's what we're seeing in general is this shift to students, or really all of us, looking at technology differently and, and really, you know, kind of having that tech-dependent mindset and saying, gosh, what can I use now? And I think that we will start to see that shift of using the mobile app and having that easy access be just where they go to first. Yeah, and it's the experience that students are familiar with, and it's the one that they are they will demand on campus too. And we should be providing that as a service. Absolutely. So, with not everyone coming back on campus, how has that really affected card services and and your side of the house? Oh boy, yes. Um, our our building remains locked, uh, but we are still issuing cards. We have new staff new researchers um, still coming to campus and this, that card is the key to one entering your building when they're all locked. Uh, there's still been a lot of requests coming into our office so we had to be creative and find a quick way to sort of respond to staff um, to produce those cards and also for students that were coming to campus for research purposes. 
Um, one thing that was key to producing ID remotely is the ability to accept photos. We weren't taking photos in our office, so we needed to ensure that we had that photo upload system right. that we could securely receive people's photos. Um, another part to that that we added is uh, the ID verification part as well, so that we have that picture of their ID, their government issue ID, and we can confirm right online that they are who they say they are. So that is a really important part that we've had to add. Um, our office still remains closed. <laughs> so as we look at rolling into the, the beginning of the fall term, when those students do return, um, even though it's it's a much smaller number, but more staff returning on campus as well. We do have a satellite office over in our students' union building that we've been able to to squat in, I say, for, <laughs> for a while. Um, probably do. We have a partnership with the students' union, and uh, we've been providing sort of a one-stop shop for services on campus. So we'll just be expanding that location while our building remains closed and just provide full card services at that location. Yeah, that's great. Again, it's one of those things you think about when you go all virtual and even from a staffing perspective of you guys working remotely. Oh, gosh, how do I hand out cards? How do I take pictures? How do I service the student? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I got to say at the beginning, when we first closed, I thought, oh, geez, it's going to be quiet here. We're going <laughs> to be able to focus on some projects and, and finish up, tie up some loose ends. But it's just been very, very busy. And when your card touches so many things on campus, it's you're not just dealing with the new population, you're dealing with the old population, too, who wants to know what the new way of doing things is. Of course, of course. And they, of course, everybody wants it right now too, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> or yesterday, yes. I should Everything say. Everything urgent. <laughs> Everything is urgent, yes. It is. Now, I know we talked briefly a little bit ago about uh, the residence halls and the fact that you you do still have residents coming uh, in those halls, but not as many. So are there some other changes that are happening? Um, yes. Uh, residence really is working hard um, on creating community, which is challenging when you're still needing to maintain social distancing. Mm -hmm. uh, but they really are focusing on how they can create those cohort floors and lifestyle floors, um, ensuring that students are all in their own room with their own washroom facilities. So we've, we're not accepting any students into sort of those traditional dorm floors. They won't be used this year. Um, they've started online programming for something they call base camp, which that helps students settle and adjust and, and, and connect. And I got to say the residence group, they live engagement and I'm kind of excited to see what they end up coming up with for the, the fall students. This is still in progress. Yeah. That base camp program, that's really interesting. And, and I can see that really having a sense of community and a different sense of connectedness with those students who've now experiencing this together. Well, and it becomes even more important when students aren't in sitting in classrooms, so they don't have those relationships with people in their class. They're, they're learning in their dorm room or they're learning in open study space. And it, it's important that they still have those connections. Absolutely. So since there are students still on campus, I mean, obviously they have to eat. So how, how about dining? How has that changed? Yes, uh, very much so. So it was very quick to kind of respond this spring and summer and introduce a new sort of takeaway meal plan. And 
traditionally our dining halls are not open in the spring and summer, so it was a, a quick change for them. Uh, benefit of using one card for the operation and the delivery of the program is that we can quickly respond to those changes and we can introduce new programs or change the way that it's delivered very quickly. So we could make that quick change from anytime dining to the opposite, which is uh, limited takeaway takeaway meals. Um, the dining team is looking at opening other locations as we find out which buildings will be open to the public and then it's once they're open how do you manage lines and mobile ordering will be important in that but we are still waiting for that information. Yeah, I definitely see, and and uh, we just announced our uh, order ahead, and so being really the queuing and being able to get that ahead of time and helping with those lines. So I think that will definitely right. help with your new program that you're going to have. Yes. On that. So do you see sort of ongoing an evolution of, of how dining may change long term? Yes. Um, it it's becoming an even bigger part of students feeling connected uh, again when they are not going to classrooms and dining hall, our dining hall is scheduled to reopen and move away from that takeaway, which has served the need for the, the spring and summer. Uh, but they, we have a beautiful dining facility and they would really want to get students uh, back in there. The office of the university architects is working with dining to take a look at the current tables and chairs and to see how they can rearrange them, how they can maximize the number of people that can be in the dining hall while still maintaining that appropriate social distancing. Um, Our campus is big and it can be siloed and Mm -hmm. it's been really impressive just to see how the campuses come together to support each other and the university architect chipping in with the dining hall um, to help them out is is a great example. Uh, Dining, uh, TouchNet has a really robust system. So as changes are requested from dining, one card's able to respond. Um, I think of an example last year when they had changed to an anytime dining sort of model for for, uh, their dining halls where they wanted students to have unlimited access. They wanted them to be able to come in from 6 a.m. until uh, 11 p.m. with no limits as many times as they want, but they also wanted to have one location at the middle of the campus that was only available 11 to 2, Monday to Friday, for one meal, for one visit. So two totally opposite sides of the spectrum. Right. And uh, one card just makes it easy to deliver that and create a, a positive experience for for students. Yeah, that doesn't sound complex at all. <laughs> I think yeah. sometimes when you say dining and realize like, oh, they're yeah. just going in and getting their food and going out. Like, what's such a big deal about dining? And why do you need yeah, technology ab- to help? Absolutely. Well, and another big part of that is the reporting that they're looking for and that they rely on on a daily and hourly basis to make sure that they've prepared enough food for the number of students that they're expecting and that they're not being wasteful. Um, This was particularly important when we moved to the takeaway um, plan for the spring-summer students. We wanted to know how many students were typically coming and how many meals to prepare. Uh, So those stats were very valuable um, in those cases and, and continue to be. Absolutely. I, I think about that too, just with restaurants in general, you know, anything that they had already prepared or planned in terms of ebbs and flows of traffic, that's all different now. Yeah. And even aside from the meal part, when we look at 
numbers, the number of people that are in the dining facility, they rely on those stats to make sure that they're not exceeding those limits or to make decisions on when they need to cap the number of people that are coming in or when they need to uh, encourage people to come at different times just to balance those numbers out. So those are stats that they rely on from us and that they get um, daily and are available at the, um, the touch of a finger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And then in terms, I know you're still talking about the kind of online ordering. Are you looking for that for all the different dining options or what, what's your thought right now? Yeah, absolutely. So we're looking at into mobile ordering right now as our only one of our dining halls is open. Um, it's not essential that we have this up and running, but as more buildings open, especially into the winter term, as we see more students coming back to campus more dining facilities open. That will be something that we would want to add. Um, fortunately, it's something that's included in the, the new mobile app, so it's something that we hope to take, care, take advantage of. Um, dining also introduced a number of voluntary plans, so those students that don't have a mandatory plan that are still on campus that want to eat close to home, we've had these plans available for them, kind of like a punch card, so okay. we sell them through our website. Um, they're added immediately to their card, and then they can proceed into the dining hall. I've I've seen students entering the dining hall, purchasing a plan on their phone, and then um, entering the dining hall. So it's it's very convenient, and it reduces that in-person inter- interaction with with cashiers, where they can just tap and enter. Oh, that's that's great, and that is going to be the new reality in this contactless world, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, you said the data was so important to dining, but uh, we've talked to a lot of schools lately, and we're hearing that the card offices are kind of getting bombarded with being asked to provide a lot of data and information. So are you pulling some reports now that maybe you didn't used to? Uh, Yes. So uh, the reports on dining and and access uh, specifically, those have been things that we've been asked for in the past, but more now where we see students in isolated settings. So by looking at uh, attendance reports for dining or reports on building access, it allows residents to make those decisions on where and when are welfare checks required. Um, So that's very important as well as access into certain facilities for attendance purposes, knowing that they aren't allowing more than is permissible into their into their buildings. Yeah, that's that's really great. And and, and like you said, it really helps to make those more informed decisions, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In particular with students in, in residence that they're alone, and if they're not feeling well, do they need to be connected to certain resources, either medical or mental health, and relying on those stats, is, it's been great where they can intervene before, they're, before an issue arises. Yeah. So with all of these you know, unknowns and really having the data help to, to do the planning and assessment and really moving forward, you know, are there certain pieces of data or types of uh, reports that you think are going to really help to, the, to move the campus forward to be more informed? Well, as I said at the beginning, everything we're kind of doing right now is in response to COVID. So the stats and the information that we're providing are in response to that. But really after the dust settles and we kind of look at the next steps for data and what that means for student retention and student success, I think that there's tons of opportunity um, with all of your 
information coming through one central source, which is your one card system. We have a ton of information and it's, it's, it would be a tremendous value at an institutional level just to, to process it and see what we can get out of it. If we look at students that would, say, attend a varsity basketball game, we could look at do they become more engaged? Do they get better grades, have higher rate of graduation, become alumni and donors? And we would see the value in attracting students to those kind of events. Um, we could, um, I mean, I just made that all up, but I, there are correlations out there where there is a lot of information that could improve the student experience and improve institutional success. Again, it's it's a big job, but this information that's out there, it's probably sitting with your campus card office. Oh, of course. And I think you're absolutely right that before all that information is available in various reports and, you know, or maybe hasn't been tracked all the way, but now that there is more tracking because to ensure from a health perspective, you can start to take that and really start to tell that story and figure out some of these events that trigger success. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for taking time out during this transformational time to provide such valuable insights to us. Well, thank you for taking me away from it for a few minutes. (laughs) (laughs) That is great. Well, this is the new normal and staying connected in a contactless world is the key. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Focus. Don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date on the business of higher education. For more information, check us out at touchnet.com.